Thank you for listening to the Soul Glow Project. If you're in New York City, please stop by the Pompette Wine Shop at 420 Lenox Avenue in Harlem. Mention Soul Glow at checkout for a 10% discount on two bottles of wine. That's Soul Glow at the Pompette Wine Shop in Harlem. You know, you can be all the things you've always wanted to be. Beautiful, sexy, easy as one, two, three. Just look at your Hi! Hey! Hello! You're listening to the Soul Glow Project! Uh, I'm Anna. I'm Abe. And I'm Emily. And we are a weekly podcast that celebrates diversity and inclusion in comedy. Everyone is welcome except. Haters. haters. No haters. And no we haters. have great chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our guests today, guests plural today, are Kelly Buttermore and Justin Peters of the improv duo From Justin to Kelly. Get it? And creators of the it. Countdown Theater. Uh, we hope that you enjoy our conversation with them. American Idol reference. Welcome to the Soul Glow Project. Hi, everyone. We're talking with Kelly Buttermore and Justin Peters, uh, co-founders of the Countdown Theater and part of the improv duo From Justin to Kelly. Hello. Hey. Hi. Good day. Um, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're up to? Yeah. Um, we are a duo called From Justin to Kelly, like the American Idol movie, but nothing like the American Idol movie. Actually, um, we—it's uh, <laughs> just a name. Last it's night uh, name. at our show, we announced that we were changing our name for this year to FJTK 2000. Yeah. Um, but that didn't really go over well, so we're going to revert to and stick with from yeah, Justin stick with from Justin to Kelly. Was that the sequel? No, no. it could have been. Could have been. Maybe it was a yeah. prequel. <laughs> the prequel. <laughs> um, yeah, we're we're an improv duo. Um, we uh, tour all around. The country. We're Ooh. one of the only uh, sort of basically full-time touring improv duos in uh, the U.S. Uh, for the last two years, we've done over a hundred shows and workshops in over twenty-two different states. We've wow. done uh, nineteen different comedy festivals. Um, we're um, we've played everywhere from you know the middle of nowhere. Uh, Utah to uh, gigantic stage in Las Vegas um, where we uh, teach on yeah. cruises and uh, at uh, <laughs> camps and stuff um, yeah um, can you talk about what it means like you said full-time what does that mean really for you um, I would say so by full-time we don't mean that that's our full-time job we also have other jobs but by full-time like our energies are focused on touring so we're based in New York Right, we've both been doing improv in New York for about what, like a decade each yeah. or so, um, twenty years cumulatively, I think it is. <laughs> uh, and um, I would say that, like, yeah, we're one of the only independent groups that tour. So a lot of theaters have touring companies and things like that, but we are sort of we do a different thing where we set up our own, we book our own tours. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah we've done four of them. So far? Four of them so far, and a lot of sort of smaller, just one-off, like, gigs or long weekend gigs. Uh, On the full-time thing, um, I guess another thing that that means is, from Justin to Kelly, our duo is the only comedic thing that uh, both of us do. 
Um, I mean, we both, you know, spent a lot of time, you know, in a lot of times in New York, it feels like, you know, the extent to which you feel you're making it um, is based on the number of projects you're doing, how many mm, things mm-hmm. like you're doing. So, right. you know, we'd spent like many years, you know, doing a different, you know, show every night, you know, being playing with a bunch of different uh, groups. And eventually we decided, you know, it's great to be busy, but none of these projects individually are all that great because we're dividing our time yeah. across so much. So a few years ago we decided, let's just focus on one thing. Let's not do any house teams. Let's not do any one-off projects. Let's just put all of our energies into this one thing that we think can be really great if we allow ourselves to take the time to make it so. Um, and that was intimidating at first. Yeah. You yeah. know, to switch from that schedule of like, you know, doing something different every night to just doing this. Um, but I think we quickly realized that that was a really smart decision yeah. because we poured all that energy into um creating our own form together, you know, that we perform. Uh, we teach around the country, so we design all our curricula ourselves based on what we value out of our own performance, um, that kind of thing. Do y'all, so, do y'all ever get offers to, like, either individually or together to join other things and other projects? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, and it's, you know, we've had to train ourselves to learn how to say no politely yeah you know because yeah. it, it feels great to be asked to do stuff right. you know hey like we're doing this um it's a game show ish thing and we want you to be one of the panelists <laughs> yeah. you know like and you want to say yes but i mean you need to say no um would you do it if kelly was doing it too yeah kelly, yeah i, I guess uh, uh, that's uh, very qualified uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I, don't I mean, I would say that when we do get offers for things, we do say well, we're kind of a package deal. Yeah. yeah. You know? Okay. Um, That's what you said about this podcast. That is what we said. About yeah. <laughs> yeah we, that is what we said about this podcast. Um, and I think that makes us unique, too. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your theater? Yeah. Yeah. It's called Countdown Theater. It's a pop-up uh, improv space. Uh, as far as we know, this is the first time something like this has ever been done. Um, at least in New York. Um, it exists in the basement of an office building in Williamsburg, a few doors down from the Annoyance. Um, mm-hmm. It's running just for the month of February. We've yeah. got shows Tuesday through Friday at 8.30 um, every night. It's a very small room. It holds about 15, maybe 20 people. Um, and the idea behind it was, how do you have a theater in New York without a lot of the frustration that goes along with a theater system. You know, all of this status wrangling and the sort of hurt feelings and the various sort of levels of, well, you know, I'm, you know, doing a thousand shows and I'm doing nothing and maybe... And like arts administration. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. We also sort of felt that like, you know, there's that feeling of when people start taking improv classes or getting involved in a new place that they're getting in on the ground floor, right? I know that, um, you know, I felt that way when I came, I went over to the Magnet from UCB back in 2005. My gosh, I'm so old. Um, (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, But we like, you know, there's no getting in on the ground floor because it'll be gone, you know? So all those questions of status and hierarchy and all those things that we personally, you know, individually and together spent a lot of time thinking about and like, worrying about 
during our time at a major theater, none of that exists. Yeah. Nice. You know, so. Yeah. Are you guys at all sort of recording or anything, or is it just all definitely just every every sense of it just um, happening in the moment and disappearing? It, it's all happening in the moment and disappearing. Cool. Absolutely. We're yeah. completely sort of, you know, all in on this notion of ephemerality, mm-hmm. right? That you had to be there yeah. to experience it. That's cool. And if you weren't there, it's completely gone. Which is like improv. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things about improv is that, you know, when you have a longer lease and you have a theater and a training center, you're, certain things take precedent over the art. Mm. Um, and you have to make certain compromises. And it's nice to feel that we have this space where we don't have to compromise um, our vision. We don't have to negotiate with anybody. We just have to decide what we want this to be and yeah. see what happens. It's, it's a truly independent space, and that's sort of what we love about it. Anyone can book uh, time there. We welcome people from, from everywhere, really, regardless of where you've trained or, you know, whom you know, mm. um, you know. We want it to be a place where all perspectives, you know, are sort of welcome and um, have the... Um, same ability to get uh, space and as anyone else. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, We're going to take oh. some questions from Twitter now. <laughs> <laughs> Anna, do you want to ask a yes. question from Twitter? I'm Anna. I was here the whole time. You're really good yeah. listener. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Hey guys, this is from Nixie Lee, Nicole, friend of the show. Uh, what do you guys see as the future of improv, and what would you like to see in New York City? Really good question. That's a great question. Um, why don't I start, and then you can jump in. Does that That's sound exactly good? Exactly what I was going to suggest. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say that you know it's interesting having done improv in New York for a long time. Before we started touring, we weren't really aware of the scope and the breadth of the um, improv scene nationally. So in all the touring that we've done, we've been really, really inspired by the smaller markets that we've visited and the way that people are embracing improv in places you would never expect to find it. So it's really growing all over the country in a way that I don't know if anybody really anticipated. Because I know I moved to New York to do improv because that's where improv was Mm. um and now you know if you live in tampa if you live in hartford or providence or cedar city utah there's improv there um and one of the great things that we uh, have experienced in our touring is that you know we've been doing improv a long time and we found that people in people doing improv in these smaller cities are doing improv because they love improv Whereas improv in a major market, you do get, obviously, a lot of people that love improv, but you also get a lot of people that are using improv as a stepping stone to other things. There's nothing wrong with that. Cash money. Yeah. Improv is very lucrative (laughs) for listeners of this podcast. It's very... No, it's not. But um, I think it's been... uh, It's... It's been really rejuvenating and really inspiring to us to to meet people all over the country who are doing this for the love of the game, you know? Yeah. Um, so the future of improv is not in New York or Chicago or L.A. It is... Hot take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's true. It's, it, it's elsewhere. It's in the rest of the country. It's with people who are, you know, starting their own theaters and bringing it to their communities 
and developing their own sort of artistic grammar that is grounded in sort of the needs and interests of the communities that are growing up around it. And that's where the most joyful, jubilant work that we've seen is taking place. Uh, as for the second part of that question, what I would like, we would like to see in New yeah. York, more people owning their own work, without a doubt. Own your own work, New York um, improvisers. If there's one thing that I regret, I spent a long time uh, you know, at the Magnet, uh, and a lot of great stuff came out of that, but I also spent a lot of time uh, you know, buying into a system that I was never gonna be able to own, right? Doing uh, other people's, you know, shows, playing on other people's teams, and when other people, you know, said those teams were done, you know, then that team was done, and then this happens to a lot of people. And when that moment comes, when people say you can't perform your show here anymore, that show disappears because it was never truly theirs to begin with. I would encourage New York improvisers to think harder about embracing sort of the spirit of independent creation and creating their own work that is truly theirs, that they mm. then can travel from space to space and put up wherever and however um, they want to do without having to beg someone in a power position to allow them to do it. Oh, if I may jump in, yeah. I think Soglo's had a similar journey where we yeah. lost a space due to elements we cannot control, and that's how this podcast started. So we're following your guidance. <laughs> I, and, and that's an awesome thing. Yeah. It, it can be such an empowering thing yeah. to learn and realize that you don't necessarily need systemic validation to yes. create yeah. something. Yes. But yes. It, it has been very, very interesting for us to be outside of those systems for a few years and we have to validate ourselves, yeah. which is something we had to learn how to do. Yeah. You know, there's no mile markers. There's no, you know, am I doing this right? Like it's figuring it out completely off the, off the grid, off the map, you know, and determining what success looks like to you, you know? Yeah. And that's been something that's been really, really rewarding about the last couple of years. That's a great answer. Cool. Thanks, Nicole, for the question. We have two more questions. You want to read one, Abe? This next question comes from at the new John. John Ross, friend of the show. John. Thank you, John Ross. <laughs> uh, question for Kelly and Justin. What's one big improv fear that you've overcome and one that you've yet to conquer? <gasps> oh, my gosh. All coming out today. One big improv fear. Okay, do you mind if I start again? Please. Okay. <laughs> Um, for years in, uh, doing improv on teams, I got to the point where I literally said, cause I, I was a very quick player, like a witty player, which sounds like I'm complimenting myself and I am. No, I just used, you know, it was very sharp and used a lot of references and things like that. And then my play. I don't think women should ever apologize for knowing and naming their strengths. You know what? I, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you're quick I'm and witty. I'm still learning. I was uh, quick and quick-witted on stage. Yeah. And I would say I had gotten to the point where I said, I recall saying to somebody, <laughs> I'm just not a physical player, mm. which is a ridiculous statement to make that I'm only going to play with my brain. I'm not going to use my body at all. Um, I would say that our work has evolved to a point where that, you know, I was a, 
obviously that was a fear of mine. I was safe mm -hmm. in that headspace, right? But in any other way, I felt very like, you know, nervous. So I think for me, learning how to use my <laughs> entire self and to be like a physical comedian is something that, that I've overcome. Justin, what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, the learning that it's okay to turn my brain off, um, to not play from the top of my mind and to feel like I need to win every reference on, on, on stage. Uh, the form that we do right now is um, yeah, it, it, the, the, basically the um, idea behind it is to not have ideas, right? So we spend the first six to seven minutes of every show in complete silence. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, which, if anyone... You performed in Vegas doing that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, after and, an hour of short form. After, after an hour of short form <laughs> opened up for us. Um, but, yeah, like, if, if anyone who saw us play at the Magnet would uh, find that, you know, really sort of weird because, as Kelly noted, like, we were both very sort of, like, talkative, you know, heady uh, players, but... For me, I realized it was eventually a, a fear reflex to stop myself from actually being present in yeah. the scene. So this silent form that we do is basically a way for us to ground ourselves in a moment that we're creating mutually. Um, and it's really transformed our work. Um, it's for me a fear that I have yet to overcome playing animals or children. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't like to do that, I never have, and it's still uh, hard for me. But maybe one day we'll we'll get to the point where that doesn't. Where you're playing nothing but cows. Yeah, yeah. baby cows. Yeah, <laughs> baby cows. Oh, yeah. Baby cows. Um, we have another question from friend of the show, Jordan Haynes at Haynes Jordan. Uh, he says, Kelly and Justin, what's your favorite improv game, and can you describe it? Huh. Uh, favorite improv game? Well, I mean, one thing that we do, and maybe it's not a, a game, but um, we warm up by um, f focusing on sort of eye contact. Eye contact is the building block of everything that we do because a strong base of eye contact means that we're creating something mutually, that we're finding our inspiration in each other rather than, you know, something that we're trying to invent. So what we do before every sort of show is we just walk around the space and try not to break eye contact and we just talk about our day. Um, and then, you know, we'll start asking ourselves questions and as we're moving around, we're starting to become more conscious of our bodies and the spatial relationship between us. Um, and then we'll start sort of varying our um, position and sort of um, the way in which we're relating spatially to each other. And then we'll start honing in on the things that we're saying and sort of saying them a little bit slower with a little bit greater intent. Right, and letting the things that we're saying to each other really sort of sink in and take a minute to breathe them in and let them affect us. Uh, and then we go back and forth like this for about 15 minutes and sort of when we're done, we're in a real locked in space where we feel like we can, you know, uh, ch take anything 
together. And it's, I mean, it's not like, hey, Fred Schneider, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> but you know, it works for us. <laughs> yeah. That's a funny improv game. Um, for our listeners, I just want to say Justin's making very good eye contact right now. Yeah. 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 We throughout do, the yeah. recording. <laughs> Hopefully you can feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to add anything to that, Kelly, or he covered it? I think that's basically it. I will say, um, I'll say one more thing, which is that we have, um, so we teach workshops in addition to performing. We teach this workshop called Love the One You're With. Uh, which is all about making positive choices in your scene work. So much of comedy is derived from like not wanting to be in the place you're in with the person that you're with, right? And there's comedy in that, but we think we like to like show people what opportunities exist when you make positive choices. Um, it's surprising to me how much like improv is based on yes and, but how quickly it can go so negative. Um, so we do this work and we do this exercise oh, that's a good one. as part of that workshop which we call like the DMV exercise, which is basically we take suggestions of locations that you would not want to be in in real life. And the conceit the of the game, the exercise, is basically that the first person has to say, um, you know, I love Yeah, I love the DMV. <laughs> I love this, right? And like believe it, right? And the second person has to justify it. So I'll tell a quick story about this that we tell often. <laughs> but we did, so we did a workshop, one of the first times we ever taught this was in Minneapolis. And we uh, introduced this exercise, and there was a woman in the class who was really, really just unique and, and great, and she was part of this scene. So these two women come on stage, and the suggestion is jail. And, uh, you know, they come on, they're following the instructions, so goes, I love jail. And this other woman I was just talking about, which is great, because all improv prison scenes are Oz, basically. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, so this woman goes, I love jail. And this other woman that I was just describing walks into the scene, plops herself down in a chair and just goes, ah, no more meetings, Oh, that which is I good. loved. We loved that because you get to play that character now, right? A, not all improv prison scenes have to be like, like super max <laughs> pr prison. There's probably like a white collar criminal in this prison system who was like, I just need a break, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. So, like, we really love doing that. And we love, like, you know, like... I haven't played this much tennis in summer. Right? <laughs> exactly. So that was, like, we love stuff like that because we love showing people what options are available to them. Mm -hmm. I think you do improv for a long time and you start to feel very limited. Um, and really, like, there's so much there that you can do. And can I make an assumption or ask a question? Yes. Was that woman who shared, who responded that way, was that person white? That person was, uh, she was white. So probably that would have been her yeah. experience yeah. in jail. Yeah. 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 It seems like Almost pretty... certainly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you were talking about eye contact and we have a question that we ask all of our guests. Do you want to ask oh, it, Abe? Oh. Will you ask it? What do people not see when they see you? Good segue. Yeah. That's, that's a great question. Yeah, it is. Um, do, should we answer this individually or mutually? Let's we'll Roots answer it mutually. Right. Oh, oh, okay. Well, whatever you'd well, like whatever us you to do. I, well, you said mutually, so go for it. Why don't you lead us off? Oh, okay. Um, thank you. Um, <laughs> We're very polite. <laughs> Um, so if we're talking about 
us, uh, you know, what people uh -huh. don't see when they see us, um, I guess maybe the extent to which we try super hard to um, sort of do everything together and the extent to which we're making conscious choices when um, we sort of go out in in the world because like we're very aware of sort of the sort of image that I'm a six foot five white dude Kelly's four foot eleven you know she's she's very you know we used to bill ourselves as the uh, the biggest height disparity among improv duos was that it it was a <laughs> It was a great hook. It was a very clunky. Got a lot of bookings so. based on that. Um, but, you know, people will naturally assume that I'm driving the bus, you know, because that's... Uh, Can I tell that story? Oh, yeah. Oh, that... Just about those jerks? Yes. Oh, yeah. Tell that story. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ooh, those lousy Riverdale it's punks. It's very interesting. Yeah. Like, I feel as though I've been pretty lucky in terms of having a fairly positive experience as a woman doing improv. You know, like, I, women are still a minority in this art form, uh, but I think my experience overall has been better than most. So every time I am hit with something that is so blatantly sexist, I'm like, I can't, I also went to a women's college, so I'm also like, is this a joke? Right. <laughs> you know, I, it like really hits me in the face. So we were doing an improv festival a few years ago, and we met this duo, two white guys from Chicago, and we were you know, networking as it goes, you know, trying to talk to people, talk to everybody we could. We're talking to these guys and we told them excitedly, you know, that we teach to, you know, we, uh, we perform together, but we also teach together. And this guy, one of the guy goes, ha ha, he starts laughing. He goes, so how's that work? Uh, do you teach? And then she waits in the car. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. And I laughed out of nervous, you know, I was sure. like, I can't believe that just happened, right? Yeah. Um, and that was huge. Like, that was a moment where I was like, I never want to have something like that happen ever again, you know? So we're very conscious of that, I think. And like, what a, what a rude and ignorant, like, thing to say. Yeah. Even if you give them the biggest benefit of the doubt and say yeah. that maybe they were just... Trying to be funny. Like banter. Banter. Yeah. They want us to come back at them with yeah. like some zinger. You know, it's a it's a bad zinger, right? It's yeah. it's 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 an unfunny like zinger. Very bad like, zinger. Yeah, yeah. Very right? bad zinger. As zingers go, <laughs> it's in the lower tier. <laughs> <laughs> True. Right? Like no, like we we like when we walk into a room, like for instance, like uh, like Kelly always walks in first. You know, she always walks in first mm -hmm. because if I walk in first, people can't see her. Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. she gets blocked. I did just visualize that. Yeah. Yeah. If you walked in first, yeah. Yeah. But it's really important to be that strategic. Yeah. We are. We try to be that strategic. Yeah. It, we, we, we make conscious choices about how, you know, we show ourselves to the world and how we share responsibilities and, and stuff. Like we, we teach every class together. Like it's very important to us. It's a all a part of our sort of ethos of you know, mutual like creation you know but we've got it down to a point where like it's a great sort of ebb and flow between us kelly introduce one exercise i'll give feedback from one scene then she'll give like the next one uh basically what we want with our performances and with our teaching is for people to walk away and be able to say 
that was a good show. That was a good workshop. Not he was a great teacher or she was really funny, you know? Like that that was something, that was a fantastic experience that was mutually sort of created and delivered by uh, those two people. And we can't sort of... Differentiate. Yeah, it's not like he was good and she should have waited in the car like yeah. screw those guys like oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I hate that stuff yeah yeah well yeah. that's important because you're modeling what really supportive collaboration can look like we need that yeah well i hope he's listening right now and feels like crap feel like crap yeah we ended up at he was at the after party we went to uh later and a guy spent all night like trying to hit on like Ugh. another female improviser who was not like not uh, interested. into oh, him. No. He's like, Ooh, I'm from Chicago. He's like, oh, you ever heard of it? Man, it was rough. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, God. yeah. We'll we'll tweet this at that person. <laughs> yes, please uh-huh. find yeah. him. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing. Anything? Do you want to add anything individually or personally? You don't have to, but do you know his name and address? Um. <laughs> 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 For you, Cal? Yeah, I would say that, like, it's very interesting, like, doing, being a, a woman doing improv and being, I am very small. And I think sometimes people don't have a sense of how, like, strong I am, you know, and how, like, I think people make assumptions on, about me based on my gender and my size, you know, yeah. that I feel like uh, uh, are incorrect, you know. And I think people mistake, like, I think that's one of the cool things about the way we've been able to work out our form or whatever, is that that's never, like, I never feel like the weaker one, you know, because I'm the smaller one. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. But I do feel like that. What about you? Um, I don't know, the extent to which, what people don't see when they look at me, um, I feel like I present myself as a fairly outgoing person, but that's a learned skill. It's very much like something that I've had to work at very hard to do. And even now, it doesn't feel natural to me at all to sort of just go up to someone I don't know and go up to them and not assume, oh, this person's not going to like me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, that's something that I've learned to do with the help of improv. Um, and also just forcing myself out there and, you know, telling myself, well, no, maybe this person will like you, you know? Maybe it's not... Um, you know, don't presume that you're sort of unwelcome. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Well, we had talked about going into our next segment, (laughs) and we want to uh, talk about a movie that some of us, perhaps none of us, have seen. Um, I'm so curious if you've seen this movie, Anna. (laughs) Uh, Abe, do you want to intro the movie that we want to talk about? Just a note. Uh, I, too, am very curious. <laughs> <laughs> and have you ever seen Free Willy? No! <laughs> I've never seen Free Willy. I've heard of it. I don't know if I would be happier with a yes or a no. <laughs> so it's about a... Oak, wait, what's that animal? Oak? Oak? Orca? Orca. Yeah. I, I was about to say okra, <laughs> which is a vegetable. <laughs> that would be a great I, film. I'd watch I'd that watch movie. That. <laughs> yeah, so it's a it, movie about a farmer's market. <laughs> <laughs> Free Willy. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so it's it's a buddy film, right? Wait, who's seen it? It has ever. I have seen it. Seen it. 
as a I saw it as a child. I don't think okay. I saw it. I mean, I think I've seen bits and pieces of it on TV. I've okay. never seen it. Never okay. Seen oh, it. no one's seen it. Yeah. So I think it's a. I think it's about like a a boy and his whale friend. Yes. <laughs> I forget who the boy is played by. I want to say, I don't remember. Somebody who remained famous, or I like want to say that he did, but I can't remember his name. Should we look it up or not? Oh yeah, that's yeah. Sure. Okay, Let's look okay. it up. I want to say he was on. Oh, I'm looking it up. Free Willy. Sequest. Oh, yeah, the Wait, boy from Sequest. Wait, is Ryan Seacrest? No, 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 no. <laughs> Ryan Seacrest. That would be amazing. Yeah, Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> uh, Ryan Seacrest. That's, that's, that's what a three-year-old calls him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It was the main Ryan character named Jesse? Yes, he was named Jesse. <laughs> okay, then it's the actor is named Jason James Richter. Oh, oh, I love wow. him. He acted in. I don't know. He's known for the, the films that he's known for are Free Willy, Free Willy Two, and Free Willy Three. Uh, you know, wait, there was a third one. But it looks like he's got some credits now too. Like he's working, but he's still known for Free Willy. Still trying to make that Free Willy Four yeah. <laughs> revive the franchise. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so what do we know about this film? What do we think about it? Do we want to rate it, review it? Um. So, no. Oh, wait. I don't want to go. <laughs> this was a Hollywood hit. It made uh, $153.6 million. Wow. It, it cost $20 million to make. I'm sure half of that budget went to tuna for the whale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do whales even eat tuna like they buy millions worth of tuna? <laughs> the one thing I remember about Free Willy was that it had a song from Michael Jackson in it. It was like, do, do. Yeah. It was like a really do, 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 heartfelt do. ballad. Oh, I love that song. Remember that song? Do, 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 do. Was it That's written for Free Willy? I don't I know. It was. Probably not. I mean, <laughs> this was like early 90s. It was like peak it was peak Michael. MJ. Yeah. So wait, is Willie the kid or the animal? No, that's the no, whale. Willie's the whale, oh, okay. I assume. Uh, no, Jesse uh, was the kid. Willie the whale. whale. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see a whale named Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse the whale. Jesse like came from a pod where his brother's name is Austin. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a Jalen. Jalen the whale too. Jalen the oh, whale. Uh, I think. I guess I would give this movie maybe um, an A minus because I think it's a feel good film. It's a and very I think high it, grade. I think it teaches empathy because don't forget that people often say that people who become serial killers, you can tell that because of the way that they kill animals what? first. Don't you know about that? No. It's like, it's like if you can see someone have no respect for animal, animal. life, like like in a really cruel way. It's true. Yeah. Then yeah. like they look for kids. It's who, one like, of the signs. Yeah. Yeah, that that could be like oh the God, show no so remorse creepy. over hurting yeah. an animal. So that is a way of counteracting it as being like actually you can have a real authentic relationship with an animal. Yeah, you don't need to set that whale's tail on fire. You just need to break him out of the aquarium and yeah. bring him back to sea. Yeah. The, so only, the only animals really you should be hurting work. are other people older than yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to give it a B because I think there is a continuity issue. Um, it's not if, the same whale the whole time. Well, if Willie was freed in one, yeah. why is he in, uh, Why is he captive again in two and three? <laughs> and I don't think the plot holds up. It's like that movie, uh, that TV show Prison Break, right? Yeah. You know? yeah. It ran for why five seasons. <laughs> well, right. then no more meetings. That's no more meetings. <laughs> That's what they should have called that series. Oh, man. Yeah, any other ratings or hot takes on it? 
I mean, I agree with the B. Like, I think it feels like it falls into a category of like live action Disney films mm. that I feel is a dubious genre. Was it a Disney film? I don't know. It, it might not well be. Been. I don't think it was, but, but I know what you feels, mean. But do you know what I mean? It's that genre of like live action, family friendly movies. I remember I watched Free Willy. I don't know why I remember this, but I could rent. I watched it in the den at my dad's house, and this was part of like movie night. And one of the movie, like one of the movies that we watched as a family, I'm reminded of this because it feels like Free Willy would be a movie. Like, let's all sit down and watch Free Willy yes. as a family. One of the movies we watched as a family in that same era was um, <laughs> Cop and a Half. Ooh, I saw that in the theaters. <laughs> I, I've never I heard that. Wait, I what? Cop, Cop and a Half is a is that. a buddy comedy between with Burt Reynolds oh, oh, yeah. as a cop <laughs> and then a little <laughs> African American boy. Yeah. Who's like eight? Oh no. Yes. Well, here's the plot for that oh movie: the little yes. boy witnessed a crime, and he needs to be uh, to testify in court. But his condition is that they have to take him onto the force. <laughs> <laughs> so, Burt okay, Reynolds, as long as it's on his terms, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's on his terms. Oh, is Burt Reynolds very reluctant to have him as a partner? I, I'm sure clearly he was. you've seen the movie. Because he's half of a cop person. <laughs> and a cop. Is that yeah? Is that a is that a racist commentary or only because of his I think no, it's I just think his age. I think he's a child. I think yeah. it's because he's a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Then there was Super Stop adultist. or My Mom Will Shoot, of course. With Estelle Getty. The same time. But is there a part in Cop and a Half where Burt Reynolds <laughs> finally submits and is like, you know what? You're maybe half a person, but you're a whole cop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like at the end of that movie, there's something, there's the some sort of showdown, you know, oh, where okay. the kid really comes through and yeah, Burt Reynolds says something like, under something. I really underestimated you, kid. Also, wow. Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Wow. Burt Reynolds. Not to get kid. us off track, we're talking about Free Willy, but I feel like it's of that no, ilk. I, this is exactly what this segment is meant to do. <laughs> Talk about the Burt Reynolds movie, take, Cop and Take into things like this. Open a whole universe. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is a genre. I don't think... I don't think I was watching movies like that at that age. So yeah, I'm going to say Free Willy was a great movie. Oh, um, okay. it's fine. Look, this fine. this came during an era in children's movies when children's movies were often very sad. There was that movie where Macaulay Culkin's girlfriend got stung to death by bees. Oh, I thought what? he got stung oh, to death. No, no, no. Someone <laughs> got. Was that my, my girl? girl? My girl. Yeah. Wait, doesn't he get stung to death by bees? No, I think I haven't she... seen it either. No. No. One of them gets stung to death by bees. The point is, that is a movie where so someone you know gets stung to death by bees. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of thing that might make you fear the animal kingdom, right? right. Or at least would, the yeah. bee kingdom. Uh, <laughs> I would also say that children's movies, just to jump off of your point, would also be just like very weird, like Pete's Dragon, the huh. live-action Pete's Dragon. Didn't that, see it. You that's know. true. That's but, true. But like, all, but I, yeah, they were sad and a, yeah. str- a strange bunch. I mean, there was like, I don't know if you could call The Good Son like a children's movie, but like, I don't know it either. like <laughs> that, that was a movie where like Macaulay Culkin played oh, like that movie. Spawn- I don't think that was a children's. Oh, movie. there were children <laughs> in that it. Was a movie <laughs> children. No, I don't think. Like, Lord. you know, like, or, or Home Alone, where, you know, you're <laughs> literally, like, blowtorching, like, you know, people. Like, Free Willy has a positive message, right? Like, take a whale out to sea. <laughs> Break into an... <laughs> you see a whale, yeah. free. Yeah. While you're talking about Home Alone, if I can give a shout-out and share the link to this, our friend of the show, Lauren Ashley Smith, uh, her sister is a writer, and she wrote an article for Cosmo that was like, this woman has never seen Home Alone before, and now she has. And she's, like, you know, 29 or something, like, going through all the 
Like, just all her responses as an adult to watching this film. That movie's insane. It is a great article, yeah. and it's a great way to understand this film. <laughs> so we'll share it way too far. And that, uh, that's Mariah. <laughs> Mariah Smith. Yeah. Did anyone here see Hook? I saw Hook. No. 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 I, I, I saw, saw Hook. No. Robin Williams, right? The, yeah, Robin Williams. But he's Tim, not Tim Captain Curry? Hook. No, no, no. no. Uh, who am I thinking of? Kevin Klein. No, no. Who mm. plays Hook? Dustin Hoffman plays Hook. Really? Dustin oh, Hoffman plays really? Hook. Yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow is in that movie. Playing Hook? Uh, she plays yeah. Hook for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Tinkerbell? And plays Hook. The kid who played Rufio. Um, I don't remember that character. He was one of the leaders of the Lost Boys. He sort of... Oh, like he, uh, the, he was a little bit suspicious who, of Robin Williams coming back to Neverland. The ones who were like, like Native Hame. American. Yeah. Um, they, they, they were the ones who like lived. In, it, it was it was a weird dynamic. It was this multi ethnic group of like children living in Neverland, mm. and then like an old white man, you know, comes back mm-hmm. and automatically, you know. Oh yeah, he is the oh, leader. Peter Pan definitely has like weird cultural undertones. Yeah, um, and overtones. And overtones. <laughs> Wait, Am I the, remembering correctly that Phil Collins made a cameo in Hook? Did he also sing a song like Michael Jackson? I don't know. Really? <laughs> I, I think he was a pirate. Yeah, it may make oh, sense. That would, be, that would rule. Yeah. Hey, what, what was that story? Of, uh, what's that story about the puppet? And they made the live-action movie of it, and it was really creepy. Which one is that? Uh, what? That classic children's puppet tale about oh, Pinocchio. The classic children's oh, puppet tale. Oh, Wait, yeah. they made a lot. The Roberto oh. Benigni uh, Pinocchio movie. It was so. Yes. It was so weird. It was oh. really scary. I saw it as a child in theaters, and it scared me. I didn't that, know I'm that existed. Do you should watch it. The guy who made Life Is Beautiful after he won his Oscar turned his attentions to his passion project, which was a creepy yeah. live-action version of Pinocchio. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Another one, and I, you know, we're maybe we on one of our tours happened upon like in Omaha they were having a uh, Robert Altman like film fest over several weekends. And they were showing Popeye while we were there. Has anyone here seen the live action? The Robin, Williams, the Robin Williams Popeye. Yeah, that's a strange movie. Now, the best part of this story is that Justin's like, you've got to see this movie. Have you seen it? I'm like, no. And then we got tickets. And I was like, we're going to want to get there pretty early. And Justin's like, don't worry about it. Like, I don't think the droves, people people in Omaha are like walking out in droves it's not gonna to sell see out. Popeye. <laughs> And they did, did it? No. Oh. He was right. <laughs> he was right. We had our pick of seats. But it was, that movie is very, very strange. Yeah. Um, and it's jarring to see a cartoon in live action. Like, it's very, very weird. Also, I couldn't understand anything Robin Williams said. It's like he needs subtitles. Well, there's a whole watch list that's going to come out yeah. with this episode because <laughs> none of us have seen anything. <laughs> Wait, what was Popeye's accent? That's a good question. Lockjaw, right? Yeah, I guess. He served in the military. He served in the military. Yeah, I guess he's a military guy. Because he's a sailor. I think so. Right. So he, but I don't know. He could have been the merchant marine. I don't know these things. Yeah, sorry. I'm really staring at you right now. I'm like, I don't have answers. You think Popeye's parents were immigrants? Well, the guy who made Popeye is not American. Um... Popeye's parents. Hold on, I need to look this up. It's bothering me. Poppy's anyway, mommy yeah. and Pappy. <laughs> <laughs> we will definitely have to, yeah, have some more information on that. Um, I think I think it's time 
to <laughs> tweet at us if yeah, you know these. Yeah, please tweet at yeah. us about any of these films and give us your info. Um, Anna, is it okay while you look that up if we talk about what's making our souls yes, glow? Yes, go ahead, please. So, um, Kelly, Justin, what's making your souls glow right now? Um, our friends from Eau Claire, Wisconsin. At least for me. Yes. Uh, we befriended these uh, guys from Eau Claire. Um, th- um, we met them at the Magnet. We did a show together. They were about uh, 19. 19 years old at the time. Uh, they have an improv group called Glassworks. Mm. Um, they uh, started doing improv in high school. Um, and then after graduating from high school, um, instead of going to college, they decided to you know, all move into a house together in Eau Claire, open a venue in their basement, and start throwing uh, house shows there. And Aww. yeah, so they um, started throwing all of these uh, shows where they'd have a local band play, and then they'd do an improv set, and then they bought a used van and started driving it around the country and just doing shows in like various cities. Uh, touring sort of like back and forth. Um, we met him at the Magnet and we you know, really liked him. We were inspired by him. And uh, they brought us up to Wisconsin and we did shows in their basement uh, there. And it was one of the most awesome, life-affirming things that uh, we've ever done. And... Uh, our mutual friend Jesse Johnson made a documentary about them called The Playhouse, which I think is available on, on Etsy, that we screened as the, at the first night of our theater. And just people, you know, taking ownership of their own work and doing their own thing, you know, bakes my soul glow. What about you, Kelly? A ditto on that? I would say a ditto, and also, you know, opening this pop-up space has been really really exciting for us and I think I personally like and I'm sure Justin has to as I'm sure we all are like right now in the political climate that we're in feeling like betwixt and between like well what I'm doing artistically Mm. like feels pretty insignificant in comparison to what's happening in the world you know but at the same time it's the most it's it's incredibly it's significant to me, you know, and to us. And I think finding, like, joy, you know, talking about owning your own work, I feel like, you know, I'm walking a line here. I don't want to seem like I'm overstating things. But to me, the idea of owning your own work and and creating stuff and having your own space and welcoming people into it, regardless of where they come from uh, and regardless of their background, um, is something that's super important right now. You know, I think for a long time, we were members of a community that was pretty exclusive, wouldn't you say, Justin? I mean, if you had $400, you could take classes there indefinitely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I think, like, I think uh, given where we are right now, what we're doing, like, I've I've decided that I'm not going to feel like like it is insignificant. I'm going to choose that it's important, you know, because I think art is more important than ever. Art rewires your brain. It forces you to see the world differently and see the world in um, as a spectrum, in the entire sort of spectrum 
of existence, you know, not just in the narrow, hateful way that, um, you know, a lot of people want to see the world today. And just showing people there's more to life than sort of belligerence and resentment and racial uh, animus is an incredibly important, you know, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'll add what's making my soul glow, which I think is somewhat similar. On a, but this is something we've also talked about on the podcast, just where do we fit into all of this conversation and this work that's so important. But for me, right now, what's making my soul glow is um, a pin company called Radical Dreams Pins. And they, I think, because I think sometimes my fashion choices, it's like, that's so frivolous. Why am I thinking about that? But they make pins that, I have a pin that says Black Lives Matter. I have a pin with... Um, Shirley Chisholm on it. I have a pin with Rosa Parks. I have a pin with Colin Kaepernick and they're making pins with a message. And um, found out about them through Ujama Box and their black owned business. And I just love I love all their pins and they're releasing new ones like all the time. And so I just want to shout them out um, because even though it's something small I feel like I've had conversations, especially the Shirley Chisholm pin like people are like, who is that? And then we get to learn and talk together about about who she was and We'll put a Wikipedia who, link. Who is she? Yes. So Shirley Chisholm was a Congress person, and she was the first woman to ever run for president. Um, so people don't know that necessarily, and think that the first person to run for the first woman to run for president was Hillary Clinton. Right. But no. And then and then so like when I talk with my students, then they start to ask them like, does that mean that she was the first black person to also run for president? I'm like, mm-hmm. And so they and then they're like, why didn't we learn about that? And you know, I think then we get to have these bigger conversations about how we remember people in history. So, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to have those pins. So thanks for asking, Anna. Thanks, Emily. Anna, may I ask what's making your soul glow? Yes. Um, I guess uh, this uh, this refugee ban has uh, hit me very personally because mm-hmm. I know I have a lot of Muslim friends and my extended family is Muslim. Um, and as of yesterday, there are still families detained at JFK. So I just want to give a shout out to the lawyers working pro bono over there. I've only... I've uh, been able to attend one protest, but I think this is really messed up. And uh, so thank you to those who are yeah. working, and thank you to those who are staying strong, even though detained. Um, and also, The Bachelor is really good this season. Um, <laughs> more diverse so than ever, oh, thank um, God. which means about five women of color out of 30. And um, <laughs> that's how I take my mind off everything going on in this world. <laughs> mm. What's making your soul glow, Abe? Uh, the television I've been watching lately is an NBC family drama called This Is Us. Yes! Oh, I've People love that things. show. So and, good. Um, uh, I, I basically about uh, cry every episode. <laughs> and then like the episode ends and it goes to like the default view of like the VLC player I use on my computer to watch it. And it's like a crash back to reality. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank so you so good. much for sharing. Oh, this is there's a lot too. of content, a lot of important vibes. Um, Justin and Kelly, how can people find you and know about the work that you're doing if they want to follow you? Websites, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, we have a few places. So uh, we have a website from justintokelly.org. We're on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, dot org. Yeah. Uh, we're on five hundred one c three we're from justintokelly.org. We're on Facebook at from Justin to Kelly Comedy. Uh, and then you can find us at countdowntheater.com or, you know, follow our blog at countdowntheater.tumblr.com. 
Before we wrap, I'm so sorry if you covered this at the top, but do people ever say you're Justin and Kelly? Do you, do you know Justin and Kelly from American Idol? Oh, that's yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what oh that that's, is? Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And we, yeah. we, okay. we actually did a, we did a show at the Pit Loft <laughs> last year, and these two really well-dressed people who we didn't know. Was you it know, Justin and Kelly? We, we wish. wish. Was it their lawyers? We, yeah. <laughs> they came in, and they had seen our name on the chalkboard outside, <laughs> Yeah. and they thought that it was a screening Just, of the movie. Oh, um, yeah. And afterwards, they're like, that was good. When's the movie started? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, that was the first movie I went on a very, it would be inappropriate oh for this podcast, oh but I went on a very sexual date. Um, <laughs> that movie was very, anyway, sexual. we'll review, we'll review that another time, but okay, great. You're, you, you do know that. I, I will say that Justin Guarini is appearing on Broadway right now yes. in yes. acapella musical. So if he listens to the Soul Globe podcast, yes. tweet at us. Him. Come we by. We would love, we love to do him. a set with you, Justin Guarini. Yeah. Like, we are not hard to find. Yeah. Um, <laughs> reach out. Let's make this happen. Let's do it. I love it. Awesome. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Yo, that was Kelly and Justin from Justin to Kelly. <laughs> wow. From, from, from Justin to Kelly. <laughs> oh, that was yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, for more funny things that we do together, you can listen to our podcast every week by subscribing. Uh, we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, NPR One app. Stitcher. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, please subscribe, rate us, and review us. Keep listening. Uh, you can find more about us um, on social media at Soul Glow Project, no W. And our website is www.thesoulglowproject.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Imagine if Fred, Stim- uh, Fred Flintstone was giving out web addresses. <laughs> 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 like, WWW. <laughs> Sorry. Oh,